Hello, and welcome to the Over the Barricade Podcast. I am your host, Ryan Downing, joined, as always, by my tag team partner, live via satellite from parts unknown, it's the deadliest catch, Lee Brando. How's it going? You know, people have been looking for parts unknown for for a long time, and if I remember correctly, I think Mean Gene Okerlund might have been the only person who ever found it. Was it Mean Gene or was it uh, Bobby Heenan that... That found parts unknown one time way back I in the eighties. Leslie Nielsen. Oh no! You, I think you're right. I think it was Leslie Nielsen. I think it was, and I think it's in Minnesota. So you're in Minnesota right now. Well, I can neither confirm nor deny that. It is the land of a thousand lakes. Are there a thousand lakes? No. <laughs> A lot of water, though. Speaking of Minnesota, want to give a quick rest in peace to Tom Zank. He, did you know that he, Rick Rude, and Kurt Hennig, Mr. Perfect, all graduated uh, the same high school uh, the same year? I did not. Yeah. There, Pretty, are lo- uh, there are a lot of really weird things like that across wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he never, uh, Zank never really rose to the level of a Rick Rude or a Mr. Perfect, but um, certainly had his runs and had a good look to him. And, you know, but he, you know, he, he left the business and uh, was very reclusive uh, following that, never did like appearances or anything like that. And, and apparently, um, apparently he passed away. Over a week ago, and the news just broke, uh, you know, the other day. So that's how, uh, you know, far away removed from the wrestling business he was. It, it, it took a while, you know. Usually news travels pretty fast in the wrestling business, but uh, this, took, this took days to, uh, to come out. Hmm. You almost wonder if that's a sad bit or if it's something where it's like it seems kind of fitting for how uh, how his public persona was post-wrestling. Yeah, I mean, if, you know, some people are just more, you know, secretive. Or maybe that's not the right word. Some people are just more... Private? You know, private, yeah. And I think that's, you know, what he was when he left the business. And, uh, you know, that's, that's fine. That's his prerogative. Uh, anyway, let's... Don't want to keep it on a downer note. It is the... Uh, de facto Christmas episode of the podcast. And we had um, pretty much an awful, uh, awful SmackDown Christmas match. Can we, you said you didn't want it to stay on a down note. Can we talk about something (laughs) other than WWE first? I just want to say that Rusev should be like in the world title picture, right? At, At the very least, he should be tag team champion. And instead, he's still over, but instead, they go, you know what, dress up in the Santa Claus suit and and go fight, you know, go sing and dance and have the pancakes and and then go fight in, in a, I don't know, costume match. It's just uh, painful. If he wasn't going against the New Day, I think it would have been a lot worse, but it kind of fits where they have everybody. Um and to be totally yeah, to honest, be, of everybody be. of everybody in that match, 
the heels actually did look better, but Rusev, if he was going to wear a costume, he wore something that it had no sleeves, and he was able to rip off the top part so you could clearly see it was still in his wrestling gear. Like, of all the ways they could have used Rusev in a losing effort, kind of the way they did, probably not the worst thing to, to do um, in that situation. I just don't understand why they have to do it at all. You know, because it's WWE, I, I, and if we don't have comedy, that I can tell you that that match probably doesn't happen if the Fashion Files were still on SmackDown, because you know they would have done like a Christmassy episode. They probably would have done like a Christmas story, a fashion story, fashion vacation. Yeah, maybe they'll still, maybe they still will on YouTube or whatever. Or, or is it done completely now that they got squashed by the Bludgeon Brothers? It's on dot com now, apparently. Ah, ah, okay. So, but yeah, I guess we should go back, and I guess we should uh, review everything that happened. We had uh, Final Battle, we had New Japan, we had Clash of Champions, Raw, SmackDown. Um, a lot, a lot happened in the last couple of days as far as wrestling events. Yes. How about we take this chronologically? Um, okay. So, final battle happened on Friday, uh, yes. December December 15th. Hammerstein Ballroom. Yep. And um, yeah, I didn't hear many great things about the show overall uh, from critics. However, the... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The um, ramifications of this event will certainly make make waves for a good ways to come, a good time to come, because we're looking at uh, some couple of new champions, uh, one of which being Silas Young defeating Kenny King uh, in a four-way elimination match for the television championship. Um, yeah. and the ROH World Championship switched hands from uh, with Cody being defeated by someone that you actually know in Dalton Castle. That's right. The uh, Ring of Honor World Championship has come to Planet Peacock, and uh, it you know it makes sense. I, I thought about it when it happened because my first like my knee jerk reaction was it's too soon right to get the title off Cody he could have a long run with it and and then but when it happened I was thinking you know Cody's had really great matches but there's been one could say a lack of heat a lack of like main event heat in the matches um, as far as like going into it with excitement and, and everything the matches were good and you know they got good reactions, good uh, critical response, but the you know the excitement level wasn't really there, and so he needs a rival. He needs you know some. He needs uh, a rock to a stone cold, or vice versa. And I think that uh, they're trying to do that with Dalton Castle, and I think that's a good choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the characters, especially Dalton's character. Uh, that's a good thing to play off of. And um, so I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm sure in 2018 we'll see Cody back with the world championship. Um, 
and I, I re- really wouldn't have a problem with that. But uh, it, it, it would certainly be interesting to see what happens next, to see how they play it next. Obviously, this means that uh, his match at Wrestle Kingdom is now non-title, um, so, and they did announce that. New Japan announced that. But um, yeah, it'll 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 be interesting. The final battle show it was it was solid. You know the the um, street fight between the Briscoes and uh, Bubba Ray and uh, Tommy Dreamer mm-hmm. that was good. Um, like you said, the four way was good. Uh, Punishment Martinez is being uh, you know molded to be this main event star, which uh, I couldn't agree with more. I think adding him into the mix uh, in that Dalton Castle Cody feud uh, might make it interesting. Give give somebody, you know, add another face to the main event picture. Because if you think about it, the Ring of Honor main event scene has gone through quite the metamorphosis in the last year. I mean, I actually wanted it, to I actually wanted to cover that uh, with a little bit of detail. Um, yeah, I mean, go for it. I, I did want to mention that I really liked, I don't know if you saw the show or saw pictures from the show, but uh, Cody's uh, bleach blonde look paying homage to his brother and his father uh, i i did dig that especially when he got color and uh it was all up in that hair i think that's why the bleach blonde can work if you can actually get some color but uh let's take a look not just in the last uh not just in 2017 let's take a look all the way back to august of 2016 jay lethal going into august of 2016 had been champion for over 400 days he loses yeah. the title to Adam Cole, who then has it for 105 days. And December, that was Adam Cole's third reign? That was Adam Cole's second reign. Second um, reign. Kyle O'Reilly would then win the championship from Cole December 2nd of 2016, but would only hold on to it for 33 days before losing it back to Cole for Cole's record third reign uh, at the... Yep. At the uh, Wrestle Kingdom Tokyo Dome show in Japan. Of course, when Cole is then uh, headed out for WWE, he drops the title somewhat unexpectedly to Christopher Daniels at the 15th anniversary show, who holds on to the title for 105 days. In June, Cody beats Christopher Daniels at Best in the World to claim his first Ring of Honor championship. And now, Dalton Castle is over five days into his first reign with the Ring of Honor championship. There were some pretty long reigns over the last couple of years with that title, but we haven't seen a a reign. Cody's had the longest reign since Lethal had it uh, when he lost it in August of last year, but we've seen a few different champions in the picture, and Ring of Honor looks much different now. Well, yeah, I mean, and even up until Cody, those all those guys that you said, Lethal, Cole, O'Reilly, Daniels especially, those are all, or were all, tried, true, Ring of Honor names that had been around a long time. I mean, I remember watching Jay Lethal in Ring of Honor in, like, 05, you know, and Christopher Daniels even before that. Um, and Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly had been there for, you know, more than four or five years, right? Mm-hmm. And so, Jay Briscoe, by the way, was the champion before Jay Lethal. Yeah, and I mean, he is, you know, if there's a first class uh, for Ring of Honor, like with X-Men, you know, he's in that. So um, so until Cody, you had these, these very Ring of Honor names. And, and even though Dalton Castle is a Ring of Honor name and, and Cody is now, it does feel like the main event picture has 
very drastically changed. And that doesn't mean that Lethal can't be in it or Daniels can't be in it or, or any of those guys. Obviously, some of them have, uh, have gone on to you know, greener pastures. But um, it, it certainly feels like a change. And if you're going to throw Punishment Martinez into that mix, then you've got a whole new landscape. Uh, a, a lot more toys to play with, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's a good thing. I think it's a good change for Ring of Honor, and uh, we'll see. I mean, 2017 was their best year yet, and you know, all signs point to 2018 topping 2017. So it's exciting. You know, they want to do that all-in 10,000 seater show, um, and they're you know they're going to announce that stuff pretty soon. Uh, you know, it's up in the air. Daniel Bryan, uh, you know, the Young Bucks haven't been shy about wanting to get CM Punk. Uh, you know, I'm sure they'll bring in Kenny Omega. It, it, all intents and purposes, 2018 is going to be, you know, perhaps the year that Ring of Honor really does solidify itself as the number two uh, promotion in the U.S. I mean, it already is, but uh, I think it'll be the year that they really drive that home. Mm-hmm. Especially in Ring of Honor and New Japan uh, are certainly two promotions that are tied in together, both due to their working relationship and due to the fact that um, both of those promotions pretty much had rocket ships attached to them uh, the last year, two years. Uh, 2017 was really a banner year for both promotions, and I don't think it's any coincidence that they're working together, at least as far as talent goes, because you're getting to see the same talent in both places and new japan streaming service has certainly uh been helped by that um i don't know ring of honor has been um to my if i remember correctly from a few weeks ago they've been working on their own streaming service so they're trying to build themselves up that way whereas wwe was kind of the top of the totem pole uh, for a very long time before they finally got to that point. And Ring of Honor and New Japan have obviously been around. Uh, New Japan's been around, obviously, since the 70s, but uh, Ring of Honor have been around for 15 years now, and they have really stepped up from independent promotion to really kind of the second the, the second uh, horse in what is what was really supposed to be a one-horse race in uh, the United States as far as wrestling promotions. But... With Ring of Honor rising, we hear more and more about other independent promotions that rise up. Um, independent wrestling, I think, is getting better overall. Um, obviously, different promotions do different things. But I also think not every promotion is trying to be WWE, which is what I think sank a lot of promotions uh, in the 90s and in the 2000s. You, yeah, you're, you're not going to beat them at their own game. Um but there is so much out there uh, that is just, you know, untapped potential as far as what you could do as far as a, a wrestling show and mm-hmm. the audience you could appeal to. And when you look at it, you know, when you look at just the numbers, the only reason WWE is having a better year than they have before is because of their escalator and their television rights deal. So... You know, if you look at live attendance numbers, if you look at, um, you know, even the the WWE Network streaming number has has plateaued, and mm-hmm. you know, we we all know that the the uh, 
the pattern at this point it goes up till WrestleMania, and then it slowly drops the rest of the year, and then January kicks back up again. So we know the pattern to that. We know that um, we know that they're struggling to fill their arenas, even for you know their SmackDown and, and sometimes Raw tapings. We know that the ratings themselves are waning. Um, they're they're still you know pretty good, but if there's a football game on or, or something like that, it, it's really been hurting them more than usual. And we know that um, through surveys and such that their audience is an older audience. So, um, and not older as in like 20s, 30s, but older as in like upper 40s, 50s. So that 20 to 35, that 18 to 35 is how they categorize it in TV ratings. That's such a valuable uh, sector of the population to go after, and if Ring of Honor can get them, then they're you know in serious running, and and they don't have to be WWE at that point because they can do something totally different. Mm-hmm. And we'll see, you know, if that happens, does WWE change their game plan? Um, you know, it, it's it's really interesting what's going to happen. So much is going to happen next year. We're going to know what the new WWE TV deal is going to look like. We're going to know, um, you know, what Ring of Honor is doing with their big show and everything like that. So it's it's, it's going to open up a lot of eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's transition that over to New Japan, who has had a couple of pieces of news of their own come out this week. We talked at length about Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega last week. The only real addition to their match was a no DQ uh, stipulation added over top of their uh, already heated feud in what, uh, as you mentioned last week, is being billed as a co-made event. I wonder how Naito and uh, I wonder how Naito and Okada feel about that, uh, especially when you oh. we've discussed before. They have some history with kind of getting bumped out of the way for another match, even though they'll still be they'll still go on last. But you wonder if this. I, obviously not to the same degree, but maybe this is a little bit of Rock Hogan before Triple H and Chris Jericho. Um, I, internationally, maybe. Um, but I think in the building, and I think in Japan, and 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 you know, mo- most importantly, the crowd there still sees Naito Okada as the main event, and it is. You know, it 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 has a much longer and much more in-depth build to it than the Jericho Omega storyline, which is entertaining and is very exciting. But, you know, if you're looking at it from New Japan's perspective, they've got more riding long-term on Okada Naito than they do Jericho Omega. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, if I were Okada and Naito, I wouldn't really feel bad about it, um, being that, you know, they're getting this much publicity for the other match because... All that's going to do is put more eyes on on the show, and and you know the hope is that those eyes are going to see you, maybe eyes that have never seen you before, and they're going to go, wow, you know, who's this Okada guy? Who's who's this Naito guy? They they've really got something that we like to watch. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's uh, should be viewed and probably is viewed as a good thing. Of course, there's always that healthy competition and 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 you know if if jericho and omega have this crazy match i wonder what that is going to tempt okada and naito to do because we know that you know okada is not shy from from 
doing big risks, taking big risks in in his main event matches, especially the Tokyo Dome, which is the biggest of the main events that he's going to do all year. So, right, you know, it's it'll be very interesting to see how high they up the ante and the the no DQ thing. I, I don't. I what I'm still iffy about it. I wasn't excited when I heard it because I was like, ah, eh, it seems like they're hot shotting it too much, you know. Um, but well, you know, we'll see. I mean, what does that what does that mean? Um, does that mean there's going to be outside interference? If so, you wouldn't think, you know, you wouldn't think that it would be on behalf of Jericho unless they do kind of like a double cross with with um, Cyrus. You know, I I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do, but uh, I mean, it's still interesting. I just I think that the putting the no DQ thing on it in a way takes away something for, for me. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, with um, Dalton Castle winning the ROH championship from Cody, uh, that uh, match between Kota Ibushi and uh, and Cody is now just being billed as a special singles match, which it does, you don't need the title on the line, and if anything, that actually makes it a little bit more interesting because you never felt like Kota Ibushi was going to win the title. Um, yeah. But now, it's anybody's game. This could be a really good match where you really just don't know who's going to win until the very end. I very much approve of that situation. Um, and as far as championships yeah. go, um, we had two different uh, title pictures solidify a little bit as far as Wrestle Kingdom goes. Uh, the never open weight six man tag team championships on one of the uh, Road to Tokyo Dome shows featured Bushi, Sonata, and Evil, the champions, defending against uh, Tonga Loa, Tama Tonga, and Bad Luck Fale. Obviously, the Grills of Destiny plus Bad Luck Fale. Um, and uh, Grills of Destiny plus Fale end up picking up the victory um, and winning the uh, six man tag team championships. So. That frees up that title to be def- those titles to be defended at Wrestle Kingdom because the issue before, of course, Sonata and Evil were already in a title match for the IWGP Tag Team Championships. So now with the uh, six-man tags championships away from them, we can maybe see a title match including that belt, which typically New Japan doesn't hold back a championship if they can help it. Um, and the only two titles that are not on this card at this point are the six-man tag team championships, if I remember right, and the uh, open weight championship, which it appears to be. Uh, obviously, uh, Minoru Suzuki holds that title currently. It appears that they're going to make it Suzuki versus Goto in a hair versus hair match, um, in which apparent uh, earlier in the month Goto offered. Uh, up his hair as after uh, for a chance at the title, and even though Suzuki turned him down initially, it appears that after losing to Goto on those Road to Tokyo Dome shows, Suzuki has accepted the challenge, and it just hasn't been made official yet. It's 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 a weird like soft stipulation that they're doing where they're like, well, the winner will be handed a pair of clippers and. Then they can do whatever they want with those clippers. We're not gonna really confirm anything. <laughs> it's 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 a very like loose uh, stipulation they're putting on the match. 
Uh, I don't know why, but that's that. I don't know. And as far as the um, s- as far as six mans go, um, it's it's really up in the air. But it it it's looking like War Machine is possibly headed for NXT. So they're gonna be finishing up. Uh, and and perhaps finishing up either at the Tokyo Dome or uh, the the night before, and and if and if they're looking for like a basically like somebody to put over their six man champs, they could do War Machine and Elgin, which we've uh, seen that tag before. We've seen that tag before, and you know Elgin's things up in the air too. All that crazy stuff that's going on with him, so. Um, so yeah, I mean, they you know, if you want somebody to put over your champs on the way out, I I think that would be a smart choice. I think so too. I think that would make a lot of sense. Um I think it would be putting Elgin in there. Obviously, Elgin just fits right in with those two. So, I think that would make a lot of sense and it gets Elgin on the card, um which at this point he is not. So, I think that probably makes the most sense. Um we'll take a look at the uh, final uh, Wrestle Kingdom card next week, as it'll be our last show before Wrestle Kingdom happens. But we'll uh, we'll look at that more in depth. But still, a couple matches left to be decided as far as what's coming uh, in the near future. Uh, the other thing, smaller note: um, Access TV, who currently uh, airs uh, older New Japan, uh, generally a couple months past uh, New Japan. Uh, events down into like basically a syndicated one-hour program with Jim Ross and Josh Barnett doing commentary. They have renewed, uh, and they will do a another season with uh, everybody coming back of New Japan Pro Wrestling on Access TV. Um, that of course announced today. Yeah, I was just reading. Uh, who who owns Access? He's like the mogul. He has like a basketball team. Mark Cuban, what, what, owner of the Dallas Mark? Mavericks, and frequently seen on um, Shark Tank. Um, but of yeah, course, he's also he's he's got his hands in a lot of businesses. He is a he is definitely he is a billionaire, to say the least. Um, and <laughs> this is what he decided. If you remember, Mark Cuban was one of the 2011. If I got my year right. Raw guest hosts um, that went over so poorly, but I think he was one of the few that was relatively well-received. If I remember correctly, he took a table bump um, either from Ed, I think from Edge. Um, (laughs) He took a spear through a table, and it looks very good, and I was very impressed that a a billionaire was willing to make that move that wasn't named Vince McMahon. Yeah, something about wrestling, it, it's probably the only place you'll see billionaires put their body in physical peril for entertainment purposes. Uh, <laughs> there's it, multiple times has that happened. But anyway, um, yeah, so I was reading an interview with Mark Cuban, and he was basically saying he's very happy um, with the way New Japan is going on access and that it's the... Uh, you know, it's regularly the most watched program, meaning that it would beat out the MMA that they have on access. And so he he said something along the lines like in, in 2018, pl- plan to see more New Japan and and less MMA because, I mean, I guess it's carrying that that uh, channel. I'd um, say so. 
and 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 they're go- they're working out deals. Obviously, it's not only between New Japan and uh, Access, but they also have to work out a deal with the Tokyo Dome itself. Uh, but I think they've cleared all that up. So very short, like two three day delay, they're going to have Wrestle Kingdom on there. So that yes. that'll be interesting to see. Um, Ross and Barnett will do the Wrestle Kingdom commentary. Uh, the show itself is on January 4th. It will air on Access TV at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, Friday, uh, November, uh, excuse me, Friday, January 6th, so two days later. Um, I wanted to quickly go back and, f- and fix something that I said. Um, we, I was working off some old information, and they did confirm that uh, Suzuki versus Goto, hair versus hair deathmatch, which the added stipulation being that nobody is allowed ringside during that match. Of course, Suzuki is the leader of Suzuki Gun, and we see his stablemates get involved pretty frequently. And, of course, we we had just kind of started predicting that six-man tag team championship match, and um, we were kind of right. Uh, Not fully, though. Um, That match will also include... um, that's going to actually be a gauntlet match with um, Gorillas of Destiny plus Bad Luck Fale. Let's see if I can get through all of these without screwing anything up because there's some names on here I don't quite recognize immediately. Um, Taguchi, Juice Robinson, and uh, Makabe will be also in that verse versus Beretta, Yano, Ishii versus War Machine plus Michael Elgin versus... Um, Oh man, it's the Suzuki Gun guys. I can't. I, Zach Saber Jr. is the only guy I can pronounce. <laughs> um, but it's Suzuki Gun essentially minus Suzuki, who's going to be in his own match. Um, so that'll be a gauntlet match. So uh, not just relying on War Machine and Elgin. They're going to have plenty of opponents to maybe get over uh, this Gorillas of Destiny and Bad Luck Fale, this Bullet Club teaming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that I mean, that makes sense. That'll probably be earlier on the card. Um, yes, you know, that is. Half. That's probably the first couple of matches. I am really. It's not going to happen, but I would love to see a Beretta, Yano, and Ishii as champions. Just, <laughs> just so we can see Yano peddling more DVDs. <laughs> yeah, it is yeah. one of the. It is one of the. It's one of the tried and true gimmicks, and it's. It just for him, it works. Um. But uh, everything else is pretty much the same, plus obviously the New Japan Rumble, which is pretty common. They start the show off with that uh, New Japan Rumble, which it gives an opportunity for um, very some young guys to come in and get a moment on the card, as well as some older guys. Like We'll typically see guys like Jushin Thunder Liger in this match, um, uh, Tiger Mask yeah. will be in this match. Billy Gunn was in it. Uh, Billy Gunn was in yeah. it last year. Yeah. And we were asked ourselves, you know, of all the things that New Japan did right this year, the question we continue to ask ourselves is, why Billy Gunn? <laughs> I don't know, man. You know, we're they were in California. They needed an American superstar. <laughs> you know what? You know what, though? I cannot fault Billy Gunn. Keep making them checks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean... I... <sighs> I don't know. It, that's interesting. We'll we'll see if they try to do anything like that uh, for the Long Beach show this year. Keep getting them checks, Billy Gunn. Keep getting them checks. Um, all right, so that will transition us into 
what happened on Sunday, uh, which is Clash of Champions, which... You know, I I actually thought this was a very solid pay-per-view. <laughs> like, my expectations were low. As they and... feel like they should be for any WWE show that's not the Rumble, WrestleMania, or Money in the Bank. Yeah. And even Money in the Bank is a question mark. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was pretty solid. I thought, you know, it's it, it was funny because the main event wasn't the modern style of wrestling. But if you wind the clock back to like early to mid 2000s, even later 2000s, that is the WWE main event style. And it was done very well, you know, uh, you know, for, for what it was. And I, I don't know. I thought the, the show had its moments. I think the weakest uh, match was the Lumberjack match, obviously. Yeah. And, um, I mean, that's just not going to... I can't remember a Lumberjack match that ever got over, really, you know? <laughs> well, WWE Lumberjack matches in particular always go the same way. The, the Lumberjacks never get along. Um and and maybe that's just the idea of a lumberjack match. You the face always ends up by the heels and gets beat up. The heel always ends up by the faces after they insulted the faces, and then they get beat up. The only different, the real difference here is: Did you realize at the time how heel heavy SmackDown is right now as far as their women's division? There are two faces that aren't yeah. Becky Lynch. So if Becky Lynch comes back, there's three, but you have. Hang on, let's count them out now. Natalia, Carmella, Lana, the Riot Squad of Ruby Riot, Liv Morgan, Sarah Logan, and Tamina. Okay, seven versus Charlotte Flair and Naomi. It is so lopsided, but yeah. Charlotte has no shortage of opponents. Yeah, that's true. And um... the only real interesting thing that kind of happened was Carmella rolled in to maybe cash in her briefcase uh, and then got beat up in the process. Yeah, and, 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 you know, lumberjack matches, I feel, are always better when there's a reason to have them. I thought this was just like, a, well, why don't we just do it? You know, like, it had no reason for it to be a lumberjack match. They it's just like, decided to do it. It's like, uh, well, what's our, what's a, what, what are women going to be doing? Uh, well, Charlotte is going to defend her championship against Natalia. Okay, where's the rest of them? Well, well, what do you mean, boss? Where's the rest of them? Uh, this is a one-on-one match. They haven't been involved so much with the rest of them. Put them outside the ring. What? Get them outside the ring. We must have all the women. Like a, like a lumberjack match? Like, has Natalia been running away every time they've tried to have a match? A lumberjill. They were lumberjills, according to, uh... According to Tom Phillips, at one point, yeah, yeah. I anyway, really, I mean, we can, we can really hate that term. Um, I think that uh, I think that the show definitely had a few highlights. And uh, did you we'll, like the we'll tag just... team match? The... I I did. I thought that. <laughs> well, you know, first there was fifteen minutes of shtick for entrances. That's true. And... That is absolutely <laughs> true, and that actually was. Probably my favorite part of the evening, just in the bit, 
just the bits alone are worthwhile. You have probably the... Their SmackDown's tag team division is pretty over for the most part, at least the top end. Excuse me. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously, Rusev was over, and that made me really happy. And um, Rusev remains over. We will continue discussion when we get back to SmackDown, but Rusev <laughs> might be the most over uh, heel slash babyface on SmackDown right now, which is impressive for a show that features AJ Styles, Kevin Owens... Uh, and Shinsuke Nakamura. Yeah, yeah. And the and New Day. You could tell by the way that it was written that they wanted the crowd to more and more heavily boo Aiden English as he went through the 12 days of Rusev for the song. Yes, but which was just The crowd great. only got more and more into it and cheered more and more. So it didn't really work out the way they wanted, but it, it was a beautiful moment. I the they were they're trying to do the same they try to do the same thing with Aiden English that they do with Elias on Raw. The difference is and now Elias is starting to get over too, which you know, both of these singing gimmicks, neither one of them should be fun or popular, but both of them are gaining a lot of steam. Aiden English, particularly because he's teamed with Rusev, who people don't have any reason to dislike other than the fact he's foreign. Like, there's nothing he's really done other than the fact that he is not American that people should dislike him. And they haven't really pushed any other reason for a good while. Um, he's just getting really, really over. I mean, Rusev and Aiden English could honestly be, like, a good comedy tag team for a while. Um, and remember, Rusev and Jinder were kind of over, too. Before WrestleMania, yeah. handsome Rusev. Yeah, he. Yeah, Rusev. There's no reason he shouldn't be one of the top stars of the show. I mean, he, I mean, he is, but they should present him and, and capitalize off that. They absolutely should. Uh, and I've liked Rusev for a while. Most people, honestly, most like smart marks really have liked Rusev for a while, which is part of the reason he gets yeah. so many cheers. But now he's getting it from the casual fans, too. Yeah. Well, take us through the card. Uh, Dolph Ziggler defeats Baron Corbin uh, and Bobby Roode for the United States Championship in what was a decent match, but a really awkward finish. Um, I saw the spot they were going for. The problem is, is that... So Ziggler hits the zigzag... Baron Corbin hits the um, end of days, or he tries to. Um, the problem is, is that I don't know if he didn't get enough swing because he was trying to get Ziggler to uh, hit the zigzag clean. Like, he was trying to sell, and he wasn't also able to hit his move. Bobby Roode landed straight on his butt and just fell over, and it looked very awkward, and... Maybe a little uncomfortable. Yeah, um, I I was fine with how, I mean, obviously, Rude didn't get the full rotation, which may have looked cooler, may have laid him out more. But, you know, if you're, if the thinking is, you know, if this is real and somebody jumps up from behind you and slams your head, the back of your head into the mat, you're not going to have the concentration and dexterity to do whatever else you're trying to do. So 
it worked. You know, for me, it worked. Um, obviously, it was a surprise as everybody and their mother thought that Ziggler was just there to uh, Eat the basically pen. do what Kane's going to do at the Royal Rumble. And um, little do you know, ma- Kane will be champion heading into <laughs> Mania. Oh my God! If he did that, can you imagine? <laughs> Kane uh, versus Roman Reigns. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> anyway, uh, my only theory is that um, maybe they maybe they wrote the card up uh, day of the show, and um, <laughs> what WWE making stuff up the day of? No, no. I mean, maybe they you know they put the card on the the whiteboard, let's say, uh-huh. and they looked up and down and they went, oh, this is too predictable <laughs> you know everyone knows how the lumberjack match is going to go and everyone knows what's going to happen in the tag team match with the the special guest referees and everybody and retained this. with the exception of that first match yeah and so they were like well let's let's mix it up let's you know just something crazy so you know let's have ziggler go over nobody's expecting that and um yeah no one was i mean because you, you i mean you can actually bet on pro wrestling, and uh, usually the day of the show or whenever they finalize the card, all the smart money comes in, and it goes on who everyone knows is going to win at that point, and then it makes the amount of money you can win very uh, marginal at best. But um, if you could actually, if you put money on Ziggler in this match, I mean, I don't know if it didn't get out or what, but you could have actually, uh, you know, made made some good money. I think it was like. 11 to 1 or something like that. So, um, so it was it, interesting. Ziggler beats uh, Corbin and Rude to start off the night. Um, the Usos defend and retain their tag team championships against the New Day, Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin, and Rue 7 8 in English. Um, yeah, the thing about this match is the first, first quarter, first third of it was very sloppy. <laughs> <laughs> not great i don't know why they chose to have a member of each team in the ring at once i don't this know why is... they didn't do the traditional two in and tag whoever you want this was but... weird they changed their own rules for no apparent reason um I, and... and it also didn't make sense because they announced that it was no dq as well so why have tag at all why not just make it tornado tag yeah i mean if i mean if the reason why the non-legal the reason why there's a legal man and a non-legal man in a tag team match is if the non-legal partner is in the ring they can theoretically be disqualified if they don't leave the ring in the appropriate amount of time that the ref is giving them to leave the ring mm-hmm. if if you're if there's not a threat of being disqualified there's no reason to tag in and out <laughs> no there's not and uh, you you wonder sometimes if WWE in their booking decisions sometimes just need somebody in the room that just says, hey, isn't this rule a thing? Um, <laughs> and just just be like, all right, so here's what we're going to do. And you explain the concept and just have a dude that's sitting there that's just like, well, that's not how we've done this for like 40 years. You like know, a just a statistician or something just to go, well, actually, technically that doesn't work out because of the precedent that this this and this have set yeah you you wwe breaks their own continuity on a fairly regular basis and it's maddening um yeah. but, but anyway says, after the sloppiness cleared away some really cool spots came in i thought uh, chad gable looked like an absolute superstar in this match 
uh, with those rolling Germans that he was doing on the big guys and 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 then there was you know Rusev was so over himself that when Big E was trying to break out of the uh, accolade, he was actually getting booed. Big E of the New Day getting booed for making a uh, babyface comeback. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's why I said I think Rusev is more over than the New Day at this point. Um, I I would I would rather buy a Happy Rusev Day shirt than I would a New Day Christmas shirt because you can wear a Rusev Day shirt any day of the year because every day is Rusev Day. Um, it's good branding. Um, so the but the Usos retain. Um, no real surprise. I mean, the Usos maybe. Would you say best tag team of the year? Hmm. That's a that's a I just a weird bomb I just dropped on you. I know. Of but SmackDown or of WWE or of all of wrestling or what? I think there's no question in SmackDown. They're very closely followed by the New Day, but I think there's no question for SmackDown. I don't think there's a question for WWE. And who are the only guys I can see that you could put over them? for 2017 are the Young Bucks. And part of that has to do with the fact that they're such a presence outside of their wrestling promotions. So if you just talk about in within storyline, within kayfabe, within a wrestling promotion, I think the Usos beat the Young Bucks. Uh, I mean, I'd have to think about it, but I mean, I would certainly say that the Usos are in the in the upper echelon of, of tag teams for 2017. I don't know if I could say best tag team of 2017. That's that's a tough one. How about we spend the next week researching these things, and we'll come up with some best of categories, and that's what we'll do to end the year in our next episode as we get ready for See, Wrestle we're, Kingdom. We're, we're calling it on the fly, man. <laughs> right, right here. We're just booking it for next yeah, week. Yeah, we, we just booked next week's show um, just in front of everyone. Um, cause that's how meta we are. Um, yeah. so after that, uh, Flair and Flair beats Natalia. We've already talked about that. Um, the Bludgeon Brothers. Natalia cut. Oh what, yeah, what, we didn't talk did about that. How you interpret that? I'm, I'm quitting. I'm leaving. I'm done. Kinda. Like, I, the, the crying afterwards, the way she did it, makes me think like she's gonna disappear and then show back up at the Rumble. Um, I think she's just taking some time away. Um, and I think they're writing her off a of TV for a little bit, but she wasn't on SmackDown, right? She was not on SmackDown. Um, and I don't assume she's going to be in the near future. Um, but I don't think this was her saying I'm like leaving the way she was crying seemed very forced. Um, yeah. And Although I did turn to my girlfriend and I said, now that is an ugly cry. They don't ever ugly cry. Um, <laughs> so, good on Natalia. Um, I, you could see it as kind of a retirement, like I'm done with you people type thing, and then her walking out. But I think this is her taking some time off, and she's going to come back and have a rejuvenated character. I think we will see her back at the Rumble. Uh, which is a little I mean, hopefully, but... Hopefully we, she comes back rejuvenated, but, you know, I don't know. Because she's not leaving with a whole lot of heat, you know? She's no. not leaving with a lot left on the table. It's not like when, you know, I don't know, pick anybody. It's not when, uh, yeah, 
uh, Rollins had to drop the title or, or Finn had to drop the title or, well, or, or Triple H tours quad, you know. Unless she's getting kind of a character overhaul, which I think she might be due for. I yeah. don't know what else you can do with her. Um, which, she's very good. I hope that that's not the case, that she's not just going to be stuck in this. It's better than the farting gimmick. Um, which will forever be one of the worst no. things they've ever done to... It, somehow that is one of the worst things that WWE may have ever done to a living woman um, on their airwaves. Um, oh, what a terrible gimmick. Um, moving on, the Bludgeon Brothers defeated Brizongo in just under two minutes. No great surprise here. Um, the combination of the fashion files, eh? Which has been going on for months, and I'm really not happy about this. I mean, I'm happy to see the Bludgeon Brothers, but... So am I. Uh, but they could know, have done this... one of those things that they built up for months and then just did nothing with. Kind of like gender. It's like their long-term booking is broken. Um, yeah. And this is one where they actually booked it almost perfectly. Maybe it went on a, f- a fraction too long. Um, but you had a good, a good concept I- here, and you could have really played this match up for a couple of weeks, but it's just something they threw together at the last minute, and we're just like, oh, I guess we're going to face these guys now. And then they get destroyed, which you, you'd expect them to. I, so, sometimes bad. that can be, you know, that can, you can, your whole make or break can be the timing in a short window, like week to week. So, like, you know, maybe Fashion Files went on a little too long, and maybe that killed it. Like, I remember back in, what was it, 09? Maybe a little later than that, but there was certainly a time when Ted DiBiase Jr. was primed and ready to become a main event level star. Mm-hmm. And I remember vividly, he was he was like going to the ring to to finally confront Wharton, get in Wharton's face and, and go to blows with him. And he, while he was walking down, I mean, he had been building, you know, the his crowd reaction to him has been building for weeks and weeks. And he, as he was walking to the ring, it just, it was this just insanely loud reaction he was getting. And he gets up to the apron and then he walks away. They don't, they don't do the confrontation. And then next week it was totally dead, you know? So sometimes that can be, you know, make or break, and and maybe you know, maybe that's what happened here. Maybe well, that's what's going to happen with Rusev. I hope not, but you know, there's certain guys that it'll never go away. Like, it'll never go away for Daniel Bryan. He'll always have that, but that's not the norm. You know, when when something gets hot, you really got to strike while it's hot. You know. Yeah, I think they should have done this at SummerSlam. I don't know why they didn't. Um. Yeah. But I think they dragged it. And I love the Fashion Files. I find it one of the better segments every SmackDown. But now they even took that away. And it's like, well, now you've not given me a reason to care. Um, yeah. And I really want Brizongo to do well. I still love Tyler Breeze. And I really would like to see him succeed. But I don't think he ever will in WWE at this point, And I'm kind of sad about that. Um, we are... I don't know. I think he just needs a good, like, a good repackaging and... You know that could he could be something. Can you repackage him after he goes full Zoolander? I think you can. I mean, look at Ziggler; he was a male cheerleader. Yeah, but like they took him off TV; like he was gone for like a year and a half before he managed to show back up again. And 
I, I almost feel like Tyler Breeze might be a little bit more Kenny Dykstra in that comparison than Dolph Ziggler. Um, although I think Tyler Breeze is a um, is much better in the ring and on the mic. It's just I. And where is Ty Dillinger? Um, moving on, Kevin Owens and <laughs> Sami Zayn against Randy Orton and Shinsuke Nakamura with the thing that was the most awkward refereeing decision I've ever seen. This was really, this was a painful match to watch, and it's not, it's unfortunate because the four guys who were in here should have been able to put on a really good match. But the I simple, thought it was done well, actually. I... It felt I like thought, a waste. I feel you know, like I thought the only awkward part was before the match when Shane goes to talk to Daniel Bryan, and uh, like Daniel Bryan's like being shown a referee shirt or something, and he's like, "No, that's too big. Go find me another one." And then Shane walks in, and Shane's in this skin tight, you know, his skin tight referee jersey with his name on it and everything. Of course. And and the awkward part was he. He explains the entire storyline to Daniel Bryan as if Daniel Bryan has amnesia or something. He's, he goes he hasn't the, been there every week. Yeah, he goes through the whole storyline that they're about to show a video package of. And then Daniel Bryan goes, maybe we should discuss this more privately, which is really weird for me because, yes, the camera's on them, but just like in a TV show or anything, WWE has always done those segments as if the camera wasn't in the room, like as if they're, you know, the wrestlers are just being the way that they would be in the locker room, and you're just watching it, right? Right. They've never acknowledged that the camera was there, really, unless you're like doing a direct interview, you know, with like uh, an interview, or somebody's like getting beat up in the back, and they're yeah, running up like to that. get it. But just those segments where they're talking to each other, they really never do with knowledge of the camera. So that, I thought that was awkward. But no, get into the match. I thought that um, I thought that the, the, the wrestling was very standard. It was a very solid tag match. They didn't do anything too crazy. They did do the table bump and everything like that, but I, they didn't do anything too crazy. It was kind of the backdrop to the Shane and Daniel Bryan storyline, which I thought was actually pretty entertaining. I thought having two refs in the ring could have gone a lot worse. So they, they drop down for the first pin, and they're, they they start counting, but they're not in sync with their counting. So, like, Shane's hitting two, Daniel's going up for one and a half, and, and vice versa. And then they decide, we're just going to cut the ring in half, and, you know, anything that happens on this side, I'll, you know, officiate anything that happens on that side, you'll officiate. And that I thought that was clever, especially when Shane would get too excited and go over to Daniel Bryan's side, and Daniel Bryan had to be like, hey, my side... You know, and Daniel Bryan's being polite and Shane's being Shane, right? So I thought that was an interesting play. And then um, there was actually a weird moment when they were doing the table spot that w- it was it was mentioned on commentary, but it was just caught in the corner of your eye. It, it really wasn't on camera. It really wasn't focused on where Shane kind of puts his arm out and it hits Daniel Bryan in the eye. And I don't know if that was supposed to happen. It seems like it was an accident. Yeah. But it could have easily been a very subtle clue into the ending of the match. But anyway, so moving forward, you get um, uh, Randy Orton does an RKO to Sami Zayn. He covers him. You know, it's it's very much obviously the end of the match. Shane won two. 
And uh, Kevin Owens causes Daniel Bryan to trip and fall onto Shane McMahon, which breaks the count. That is not kayfabe. What you just said is not kayfabe. Um, What they're saying is in kayfabe is uh, that Daniel Bryan simply tripped. Uh, As they mentioned on SmackDown, which bothered me because I was waiting for you to get to that point. Because Kevin Owens did very much uh, make sure that Daniel Bryan fell on top of the count. But because they didn't get a good camera shot of it, they have now stricken it from history. Oh, that's annoying. Which, you know, that's annoying, especially since earlier in the night they replayed uh, Charlotte Flair doing a moonsault onto seven ladies and not hitting one of them. Uh, But that's neither beside the point. (laughs) Um, So, yes, Daniel Bryan falls, you know, albeit by himself, we'll say, onto Shane accidentally, causes Shane to break the pin. Um, Shane gets very hot at Daniel Bryan for this. Um, this leads to a roll-up from Sami Zayn, surprise roll-up onto Randy Orton on Daniel Bryan's side of the ring, mind you. But Shane drops down to do the pin, one, two, and holds his hand up. And I thought that was just a great moment because it was Shane wanting to do something, but I, I don't know. I just thought it was a very, like good tilt of the hand as far as the McMahons and Shane and everything. I thought it was really well done. And then obviously Daniel Bryan gets hot at Shane for that. Uh, leads to another roll up from Sami Zayn onto Randy Orton. And Daniel Bryan does, he's totally in the right here, uh, which I thought was a, a nice twist was that Daniel Bryan is going to allow the heels to win, is going to do a fast count, but is going to be totally in the right while doing it. Um, I thought it was done really well. Um, from the, from the story they were trying to tell, I thought that was a great outcome. Besides the besides any you know Daniel Bryan turning heel or anything like that, which they kind of blew their shot on on the week previous. Yeah, I suppose you're right. Um, I guess my issue was just. The match itself felt very awkward, um, but I, I see where you're where you're coming from. So that all being said, I guess part of this is also like either Daniel Bryan's coming back, or this is all just a really weird thing. Um, I don't I don't see the exit ramp for how you logically get out of this if Daniel Bryan is not going to wrestle. Um, that being said, WWE's never stopped a thing like logic. Uh, or never had a thing like Logic stop them before. Um, <laughs> so, anyways, uh, we move on to the main event. AJ Styles defeats Jinder Mahal for uh, or to retain his WWE Championship. We now get a little clearer picture about what their WrestleMania plans might be. It seemingly involves AJ Styles, at least. Um, the possible AJ <laughs> Styles-Shinsuke Nakamura match lives on. Yes, yes, it does, and uh, I did. I did like the only comment I want to make on the main event is I did like that. If you if you think about it, like they're real fighters, and this is their rematch, and that um, uh, Jinder has been studying and <laughs> p- 
preparing and watching tape on AJ Styles and, and putting everything into this rematch to get his title back, right? If if if, if that's the kind of the you know um, suspend your disbelief, this is what's going on in canon. Let's say <laughs> the the new move he pulls out, the ultimate weapon he pulls out to beat AJ Styles is a middle rope jumping karate chop. <laughs> Which he uses twice <laughs> on AJ Styles. Second time, it's not successful. Uh, it gets cut off with a drop kick. So I thought that was great. Hiya. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things they could do for the Royal Rumble. Obviously, now we're having uh, a women's Rumble. I don't know how many women contestants that'll be. Um, I don't believe a lot they've of rumors mentioned about that Ronda yet. Rousey surprise entering that and winning and then going on to uh, somehow get the title onto Asuka because the story they've been telling for you know weeks is that she's beating everybody in two minutes with an arm bar so you have the undefeated Asuka using an arm bar going against you know Ronda Rousey Um, I think that would be a good Wrestlemania match but if that's the case you got to think that they're giving the men's Royal Rumble uh, winner to Smackdown which you could say, you know, Nakamura would be a good choice. Uh, Rusev, you know, would be a good choice at this point. Um, you know, you could take the safe route. You could do a, a Kevin Owens or a Randy Orton. Um, you know, it's it's. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I mean, we know that it's going to be uh, Lesnar and Reigns, but that doesn't necessarily mean Reigns should win the Royal Rumble. Um, I think that would backfire immensely on them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. It would be interesting because they've really, I, th- I think they wanted to ride out the Shield reunion until WrestleMania and possibly even after. But now we're getting news that uh, Dean Ambrose has had a tricep tendon tear, most likely. And uh, if if that's the case, he's going to need surgery. And I don't, I don't think he'll be back in time for, for WrestleMania, let alone the months leading into it, which would be eaten up with uh, shield matches. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess that takes us, that'll take us into Raw. We'll, we'll go through this relatively quickly because we are. Yeah, just hit, hit the highlights. Overtime again. Um, Brock Lesnar's opponent at the Royal Rumble will be, of course, Kane and Braun Strowman. So obviously, it will not be Finn Balor. Uh, as was very lackluster announcement. <laughs> yeah, uh, the the bit was that Kurt Angle neat wanted to get out of there very quickly. So as soon as all three men hit the ring, he basically very quickly ran out. He even got a um, very quick. Uh, it's true. It's damn true. In before hightailing it out, I actually found it kind of humorous. Um, but uh, we also had the introduction of Hideo Itami, the debut on Raw. A little bit of a role swap as the Miz Taraj was beating up on Finn Balor when Atami hit the ring, switching him back to face. And of course, he is on 205 Live. Uh, so almost. Yeah, that was little... interesting because I don't know if they'll do it going forward, but that's really the first time a 205 Live guy, I mean, it was already announced that Atami was going to be on 205 Live, interacted with the regular roster. Yeah, when it, the only time that's been kind of close to that was Enzo. Uh, but. He all really wasn't full time two hundred five live at that point, so um, I I think that would get those guys over. I think segmenting them out the way they are right now is a bad idea, 
And Itami has the most over finisher you could probably hit, especially in the city of Chicago next week. That's true. Do you think they? Do you think they? Well, obviously, two hundred five live will be in Chicago next Tuesday. So, do you think we see Itami on Raw, and do you think they let him hit the GTS? Um, and how do, do you yeah, think the Chicago I, people lose their minds, or do you think they just start chanting CM Punk? I don't know, you know, because I, I think, for by and large, the CM Punk um, thing, it, it pops up every now and again, um, but... I think it's very much quieted down, even in Chicago, the last couple times they've been there. Um, so, I mean, I would say do it, and it, it'll be interesting to see the reaction, unless they just don't want a mention of it, in which case uh, they don't have to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. That's true. I guess we'll see We'll see what they decide to do. Um, we know that uh, Cedric Alexander will be able to challenge Enzo Amore for the Cruiserweight Championship. Um, yeah, Gulak got busted open. That looked nasty. The uh, Jason Jordan stepped in for uh, for Roman Reigns, I think. Uh, Roman Reigns was not on Raw. Yeah, I th- uh, from what I read, nothing crazy. Just had asked off this week for, you know, a long time ago, so... Um, which is weird. You just put the strap on him and then you had him not be at all. Like you could have done a promo or something. Um, but anyways, in that match, uh, Dean Ambrose is kayfabe injured. Although apparently he was injured going into that match and they just needed a kayfabe reason to get him off TV. Um, it appears that he'll be out upwards of six months and will most likely miss WrestleMania, uh, which is too bad because, uh, Dean Ambrose um, probably, it's just too bad. I don't know what they were going to do with him. I think you're probably right, it, as far as the reports were, that he was going to be the one who kind of went heel and broke up the shield. Ambrose probably needs a character revitalization more than anybody, uh, in that grouping. So, that would have been nice to see, but, obviously, it's not going to happen. Um, yeah, it was, it was weird, because, like, of everyone on the roster, he's been you know, the least injury-prone guy there. I mean, I can't think of an injury he's had since he started with the WWE, you know? Well, speaking of injuries, uh, the Revival is back, defeating Heath Slater and Rhino. Um, We'll see if they maybe let the Revival kind of simmer on the down low for a little while uh, before they kind of give him a push. It seemed like they were going to give him a pretty big push. And two kind of poorly timed injuries in a row after their yeah. WrestleMania and post-WrestleMania debut have really derailed them. Hopefully they get that cleaned up. I really like the revival. I just, I hope not all the steam is gone, but it's very possible. Um, Woken Matt Hardy uh, had another video promo face-off with, um, with Bray Wyatt. He was playing chess against Napoleon, who was a fish. Um, he was reincarnated as a goldfish. Yes. And, and this is this is this type of stuff. I think we even said last week that, you know, the, the interesting parts were like when he, you know, was with a kangaroo and at the zoo and everything. So, you know, I, I think they're starting to do some of that stuff and that's a good sign. 
Uh, hopefully it doesn't lead to, you know, him jobbing out to Elias in a couple months. Hopefully not. Um, time will tell. Speaking of Elias, declared for the 2018 Royal Rumble match and then was interrupted by three separate women, refused to give Bailey a hug, and then we had um, a tag team match at the very end, a six-woman tag team match, if I remember right, uh, between yeah. Absolution. Oh, my God. Don't get me started on this. Um, so here's I got a I got a couple issues here. Um, I have a couple issues. <laughs> so so I not the announcement of the first ever women's Royal Rumble match. I don't necessarily have a problem with that. My problem is how they decided to announce it. Um, yeah. Basically, what they do is they're having a brawl. All the everybody out there is against Absolution, which we've made perfectly clear. Um, makes perfect sense. Right? Suddenly, Stephanie well, McMahon's... Not really, but okay. <laughs> I mean, to a degree, it makes it makes some sense, because they've attacked pretty much everybody. Um, yeah. So, they've at least set that up. So that at least makes some level of sense why they would all be attacking those three. One, you're kind of throwing Absolution under the bus by having everybody out there attacking them, even in what ended up being a complete throwaway moment, because as soon as Stephanie McMahon's music hit... Everybody stopped, and Kayfabe died. Um, I never thought I would see Kayfabe die so quickly on television as when Stephanie McMahon's music hit, and everyone stopped, and suddenly it was all about hurrah, 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 which... The, the, God, it was awful, wasn't it? It was... It, just, it, it, it makes me... It was it not entertaining. shake with anger. It was, it was not entertaining, and this sort of moment should have been... You know how you get this to work? Don't have a women's match just before this where they're all supposed to hate each other, and then two minutes into this Stephanie Man promo, it's all, uh, well, hurrah, 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 let's pat each other on the back. It doesn't make sense. It's not entertaining. If you're going to do it, have them all come out for a big announcement from Stephanie McMahon and play it up. And then what do they do? Stephanie McMahon has to, after making the announcement, say, if anything deserves a yes chant, that's it. And then they do yes, and then they just oh, fade to black. Yeah. The whole thing just felt so poorly executed that it took what was supposed to be a really cool moment and just butchered it. Yeah, I don't... I mean, obviously it was probably Stephanie's idea to do it this way, but, I mean, worst... Probably the worst idea Stephanie McMahon has had since Katie Vick. Ooh! Uh, and maybe even worse than that, because at least Katie Vick made sense in the storyline that they were telling at the time. This spits in the face of trying to build any sort of heat between Absolution and the rest of the women's division. Spits in the face of the storyline, trying to build heat for the Rumble match. Like, I'm very, I, well, not anymore, or not as much anymore, but I was very excited for an all-women's Royal Rumble match. I think it's a great idea, great opportunity, a nice thing to add to a pay-per-view that's been around for almost 30 years. Um, but I would, I mean, the way you do it, you know, there's there's so many ways to do it. You don't even have to put an angle into it. You, you could really just do a video package. But if you wanted to do um, an angle, you know, have the women... Have Stephanie McMahon come out with no no one's out there. Stephanie McMahon comes out. Let's say she opens the show. 
And she's talking about how it's a very special night and she's she has something very good to announce. And then you have Absolution come out and interrupt her because that's what Absolution does. Right. And and they're you know, they're out there and they're, you know, doing their shtick and, and talking about how, you know, I don't know, they need more opportunity or whatever heels say, you know. And then you have the rest or, or some of the other women of the division come out and you know, like they're kind of up on the stage and absolution kind of gets out of the ring and they're on the far side of the ring. So there's distance between them and Stephanie, you know, they start coming down and Stephanie man cools it and says, Hey, everyone stop. You're all going to want to hear this. Here it is. Boom. And then, you know, then, you know, if you want to have everyone out there while they do it, good. But, you know, or, or, or do, do something like that. Don't, don't have your, you know, this thing that you just, started a couple weeks ago that has heat behind it don't put it in an ice bath just so you can have a feel-good moment and and try to i don't know it just makes me so angry and then stealing the yes chant like oh my gosh are you ah just worst piece of crap way you could debut this concept yeah i i agree and then when you go to SmackDown, they mentioned it in the first. So in the first, let's see, four segments, they mentioned it three times. Um, yeah. They mentioned it when, twice in the Shane McMahon, Daniel Bryan having words at the beginning of the night. They had the Shelton Benjamin and Chad Gable versus the Usos match, which was two segments. And then the fourth segment of the night, Charlotte Flair and Naomi defeat Ruby Riot and Sarah Logan. And Charlotte Flair and Naomi talked about it. Which, you know, great. It makes sense for them to at least mention it. But do we have... Why would Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan talk about it at all? Let Charlotte and Naomi talk about it. Because now you've killed their whole segment. The first part of their segment had no sticking point. Other than, well, aren't these two friends? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's just... They're really fumbling the uh, the rollout of it, and I don't know why, because it's not really that. It doesn't. You don't have to think about it for too long to figure out. You know, just any way to do it is better than what they've done. Yeah, it's. They've really they took like, like the, the they took the what, mood what... going into it is you're going to have all these women in the ring, who none of them really. They're all just happy to be there. They have no motivation to win, and they have no reason to go after certain people in the match. They're just all happy they get to be in the ring for the Royal Rumble. That's that's how you've set it up. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree completely. I think they've... They have not helped themselves in any way, shape, or form um, with, with selling this idea. Because you do still have to sell it. Like... It, it's it's an unknown commodity at this point how this is going to do. You can't just assume that you're going to do this and it's like, oh, yeah, the women get this match and then suddenly it's, oh, well, you're supposed to care about this because it's got women in it. Well, I mean, it's a big deal and I'm happy for the talent that's there and I'm excited to see it, but you got to sell some people on this a little bit more. You can't just assume everyone wants it just because it's women that are doing it. You have to... It, you Just like you wouldn't assume that everybody wants it just because it's men that's doing it. 
Yeah, or, you know, even the thing that they did on Raw, even have that, but instead of Absolution doing the Yes chant along with everybody, have Paige grab the mic and act mad about it. You know, find a way, you know, where was this three years ago? Or, you know, you all, I can't believe you got to announce this when it should have been me announcing. You know, have something. They just, just dead, cold, dead, you know, just nothing. Lifeless, nothing to, no thread to pull on they've got nothing isn't it uh wouldn't it be wouldn't it make a lot of sense if Paige came out and made a big stink about it given that her whole bit right before she left and when she came back was i started this this was because of me that would have been a great opportunity yeah, you but, all should be thanking me. You all, you all owe me for this. You know, which is what they're going to do next week. Which I don't have a problem with, except for the fact that I feel like at this point it's too late. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, I don't, I don't know, but you know, we'll, hopefully the match is good, and you know, that's all we can hope for at this point. It's just, it's just another thing of WWE. Just you know just killing like there's there's a time to pull the veil back and there's and there's a time to to break kayfabe but it's not during the show you know when actors sit down for interviews and they talk about the role they're playing that's fine but if they do it in the middle of the movie you're watching that's not really that fine (laughs) no no it's 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 bad. Um, all right, we've gone way past time. Um, there was all a right. lot to go through this week. So uh, for next week, we're going to preview Wrestle Kingdom 12, and we're going to throw together a best of, uh, some best ofs. We're going to talk about who we think should be best ofs. We're going to try not to base it on anything other than our own judgment, essentially. Um, but... We'll do that next week. Should you have any suggestions, um, want to share your thoughts, listen to the plugs at the end of the show, how to contact us on social media, send us an email, uh, and how to follow uh, how to follow Brando on Snapchat, which can be an interesting I- an interesting idea at times. Um, although following you on uh, friending you on Facebook and following you on Twitter is also good. Uh, we got a really lovely picture from three o two from a couple of years ago, I think, with uh, you and Dalton Castle. Yep, yeah, that was uh, that was back when I was uh, I was a boy once upon a time for Dalton Castle. Yeah, that was an intro. Not a lot of baby oil. <laughs> so go that, check that out and give it a like. <laughs> that was clear that that was quite a lot of baby oil. <laughs> it was quite a lot of baby oil, and I remember a uh, funny story. I'll just tell ten seconds. You know, um, I remember. Uh, it was it was Killian McMurphy was the other boy, um, and uh, you know we, we, this was years ago, and we went up to uh, Dalton, and uh, you know we were all getting ready, and he gave us the gimmicks with the masks and the little tassels you tie around your wrist and the little you know little uh, loincloth and everything, and uh, and then Killian and I are, are you know standing over on the other side of the dressing room, and Killian goes, I got this. Uh, I got this uh, jar of baby oil, or this bottle of baby oil. Do you think it's okay if we put it on? 
And I was like, I don't know. I don't want to like step on the gimmick. You know, I don't know. Maybe we should ask him, you know? And so uh, we kind of timidly, you know, dressed in these, this ridiculous, you know, uh, homoerotic outfit. We could, you know, timidly walk over to Dalton and go, is it okay if we put on baby oil? And he goes, Oh, please do. <laughs> and, uh, and so that was uh, that was the green light, and you know we put a we just put a massive amount of baby oil on, and then uh, we didn't think about that it would be like another forty five minutes before we had to go out, and so it started drying up, and so it was just like we were just bathing and showering in baby oil for like forty five minutes, trying to keep it <laughs> glistening uh, until we went out there. It was uh, it was pretty interesting. Leaving we were leaving like little uh, the floor of that arena was just you know. Uh, concrete or whatever, like a sidewalk, and and we were leaving like uh, baby oil footprints. That's how much we had on. I just I'm looking at this picture again, and now that I can see it on an actual computer, just being able to see all the little things that are going on in this photograph <laughs> from from you to I didn't even realize that was Killian until you just mentioned yep. it was. That's amazing. Yeah. We need to have him on again soon. Uh, but just. Dalton Castle's face in the picture that you posted may be the greatest thing in all of this photo. Just the giant 302 logo and Dalton Castle, who is having the time of his life. Yeah, it was uh, it was a good night. Yeah, he was a cool guy, and I'm I, I'm happy that he is uh, he is where he is now. Anyways, um, that was a good story. That was a good way to. Good way to wrap us up. All right, so that'll be it for us this week. Check us out next week. Same time, same channel, wherever you found us. Listen for the plugs. We'll uh, we'll see you next time. Do you have anything to leave the folks with other than that great image of Dalton Castle and you and Killian McMurphy that they should go see? Uh, no, I think I can't top that, so I think we should just send it home. All right, I will be retweeting that from the Over the Barricade podcast uh <laughs> twitter page so you can see it as well all right see you next week like us on facebook at facebook.com slash barricade show follow us on twitter at barricade show you can listen to the show each and every week at soundcloud.com slash barricade show or search for over the barricade podcast on itunes and google play Follow Lee Brando on Snapchat, Twitter, and Instagram at LeeBrando underscore. And send him a friend request on Facebook. Just search for Lee Brando. And don't forget you can send us an email over the barricade podcast at gmail.com. Send in your suggestions. We'll see you next week. <laughs>